Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Hey everybody, it's me, it's Edwin, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm really happy to introduce an old friend and colleague, Greg Friesen. Greg and I, we started our career back at a Canadian telecommunications giant, formerly known as Nortel Networks, within the network planning department. And this was all during the first internet bubble. We actually talked and reminisced about how we used to sell the dream of what the internet should be, having videos to your handheld. But of course, this was well before high-speed internet and cell phones that actually could deliver data. So it was awesome to see where the internet has gone as we were planning for the dream at the time. Currently though, he is the VP of Product Management and marketing at Dragon Wave, and with over 19 years of experience in senior product management, network design, and engineering, it's great to hear his experiences of growing a company, a small company of $3 million revenue to over $100 million worldwide, and how he grew as a leader, how he learned. And not only do we hear about how Greg's authored numerous papers, magazine articles, and how he speaks at different industry conferences, but it was amazing to find out that he also holds two granted patents and has three pending applications in the networking area. And the one thing we really dive into is our shared passions of running. Except for the fact that he's much faster to me and really not to mention has qualified for the Boston Marathon. But before jumping in, I wanted to give a quick shout out to my media partners, to the folks at IT World Canada for their overwhelming support for the show. So with that, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show, Greg. Thanks, Edwin. Uh, glad to be here. Awesome. Well, first off, thank you again so much for taking the time to join us today. First off, why don't we start off by just telling a bit about yourself? Tell us sure. who Greg. Yeah, tell us who Greg is. What what you do and who you are and what you like to do. Sure. Thanks, Edwin. So. You know, I'm uh, I'm Greg Friesen, as you've said. Uh, I work in the telecom industry. Love uh, I love technology. Um, I love being out in front of customers, much like yourself. Uh, I'm kind of, uh, although a tech background, uh, you know, I consider my strengths in business and marketing. So, love hearing what customers uh, like to do. You know, what they need, what the problems are they'd like to solve. Uh, and although I've been in telecom, you know, my my interests really uh, expand in all of the tech uh, industry. Um, outside of work, you know, number one to me is family. I have a, a wife and uh, two daughters, uh, and fitness is important to me as well. You know, I think we'll talk in a while a bit, but uh, try and try and maintain fitness on a regular basis. I think it's important to have a, a healthy uh, work and lifestyle uh, balance. Awesome. That's really great. And I'm, I'm really excited uh, when we get more into it. I mean, I have a really young daughter, nine months old, and I do keep fit as well. I try to anyways. So I'm really, I'm really excited to, to learn from you on that sense in all the balance. But uh, let, let's, let's start with, with work, I guess. Tell us about Dragon Wave and your current role there, your responsibilities. Sure. Dragon Wave, we're a telecom uh, equipment vendor. We uh, manufacture wireless microwave equipment. Basically what we do is connect from the cell phone tower back into the fiber optic network. So 
uh, we you know we have a number of customers in Canada, for example, including uh, Wind Mobile, Videotron, uh, outside of Canada. So, you know, one of our big ones is uh, Sprint. Um, and so we, we manufacture equipment, uh, and our equipment has to upgrade as networks upgrade. So uh, as capacities get higher, today it's LTE, and so we have a set of products for that. As you move to 5G, we'll continue to expand our products to address some of the needs of, of the network for, for 5G and ensure that it, you know not only is there enough capacity to your handset, but once that gets to the tower, that that's not the bottleneck and there's enough capacity all the way back to whichever piece of content the user is trying to access that's that's awesome i mean for the people who are not telecom savvy is it safe to say that anyone who is surfing the internet watching video your equipment is responsible for no buffering within the network that's exactly right you know we're there to try and give a high speed uh, connection to a to a fixed or or uh mobile network and and ensure that there's no buffering and and a high uh, user quality that you can get your uh, 1080p or higher uh, type video when you want it within dragonwave you know my role uh, is a product management and marketing role so for you know what that means is going out meeting with customers uh, understanding what their requirements are what they see as requirements over the next few years and then bringing that back to our r&d teams and saying you know here's what we need to build here's where we should be spending and allocating our um, development dollars over the next couple of years because development cycles in hardware are very long. They take 18 months to two years, so you need to be looking out a long ways. And so going and allocating where we're going to make those investments and then going and talking to the customers about why we made those investments and, and helping them understand how that can fit uh, into their business and how that can uh, help them be more efficient, get, new, get more revenue, and, and be more profitable. Wow. So do you at Dragonwave also work with a lot of the content providers uh, in terms of really understanding the go-to market or is it really directly from your customers? And just just to be on the same page, your customers are the network providers, right? Uh, you, you mentioned Win. It's all the cell phone providers around the world, correct? That's right, exactly. So, so when someone owns a network, that's typically kind of our cutoff is how far we'll go to touch them. In that, some content providers own their own networks, and you're starting to see more infrastructure ownership from the the likes of the Amazons, Facebooks, Googles. Those start to be be customers as well. Wow, very interesting. Very very cool space to be in, especially with the Internet of Things. And I'm not sure where that's going. And I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts and ideas on that. I guess looking 18. 24 months down so that's so interesting I love I love the industry I love I love telecommunications as well obviously so as as I was looking into your career Greg and it was great just going back I find that you listed one of your biggest business related achievement was growing Dragon Wave from a mere three million dollar business that was just focused in North America I guess in 2004 to over 100 million dollar global business in 2010 so i mean now looking back that's a number of years now what were you, what were your biggest challenges personally and, and within the business as as it grew yeah so you know i think a lot of it is having to reevaluate where you're prioritizing your time um realizing that as you grow you know that level um you know 30 times that you can't continue the you know doing handling things in business the same way you were uh, originally that you've got to start to put processes in have to uh, start to let go and and not be involved in every little aspect of of the business you know certainly at three million dollars 
you know, almost everyone, we knew every single order that's coming in. Um, at $100 million, you don't know that. So you've got to put processes in to make sure that each customer is still getting the right attention, that you're still hearing what your customers need and still adapting to the market, while at the same time not having 30 meetings every day and, and uh, not being able to think. Wow, that's amazing. And, I mean, you mentioned processes, which is a key thing for gr- growth and scale. In terms of yourself, your role, and even like management and leadership, how did it grow and expand as well? I mean, in terms of how how big was your team at three million at two th- in two thousand four? Uh, I was you know one person at that time. Wow! So yeah. did you have any process in place, Greg? Very little. You know, we had uh, a company wide weekly allocation, uh, you know, meeting which included, you know, the CEO and key people from all over the company, where, like I said, we'd actually review every single order and, you know, knew a $20,000 order, knew the customer name. And so, you know, that was sort of the everything revolved around that. And then we had to move, you know, at 100 million that had a team of, you know, 30 people. And so had to then move to much bigger processes that can handle that scale and prioritize things and, and spend time on the on the high priority while making sure that the lower priority aren't forgotten, that that's still handled within those processes. Right. No, that that makes sense. And as it grew, you mentioned a lot in terms of processes, were you also responsible for implementing and deploying these type of processes or did you just have a lot of input in it at that point i mean you had to learn this type of stuff right yeah so certainly responsible for uh providing input to a lot of the operations and sales processes and then uh without implementing them but certainly around the product management processes those you know had to implement so put in uh you know price approval uh, levels for different levels of product managers um, a feature review process, a business case review process, a, a bid bid review uh, process. So you know a number of different things. That as we you know, at the beginning we'd only do you know one bid a month, and then we at one point you know are uh, 150 in a year. So you had to to start to get processes uh, around that that they couldn't just each be handled ad hoc. Well, yeah, no, that, that it makes sense. It makes sense. You can't you can't be doing it all and high fiving each other for every sale you guys make. I guess that was the fun part at the time though yeah Uh, (laughs) um i mean obviously with with the responsibilities and and the growth everything changed for you as well so how did you personally adjust and build yourself as one of the key leaders in the organization because you came in in this small organization and and being there from the start yeah i guess people would look towards you as a leader as well so i'm really interested to know how you how you were able to adjust Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it's just trying to to look at what the business needs, um, trying to make sure that you you know I think the hard one of the hardest parts of adjusting can be letting go of of uh, some of those things, not being able to be involved and touch every single bit, um, being willing to to trust your team and, and the others that you're working with, um, and you know I think the delicate part is to uh, enable your team to go and make sure that they can make the right business decisions and that you still understand what's going on without micromanaging them. So, you know, uh, that I think was probably one of the biggest, you know, growth things, you know, hurdles for me that takes some time of, you know, having, you know, uh, to look at what other leaders with have more industry uh, in within our business, like our CEO following, watching what he's doing, reading, reading industry leadership books, um, what, you know, learning about what others are doing. And then uh, trying to, to implement that and 
understand that you can't be part of every decision, but if you have the right processes and the right culture in place, you can trust your team to be making the right decisions. Right. No, definitely culture culture plays a big part into that. And it's great that you mentioned that Peter Allen, your CEO, he is one of the biggest influencers. And I know you've listed other folks um, like Warren Buffett, Steve Jobs, Charles Munger. Like, So where else do you look to grow and improve? I mean, you probably read those books, but are you always continually looking to improve yourself as a leader? And what are you doing today for that? Yeah, you know, I continue, you know, I'm uh, still an avid reader, continue to read lots of business books. Uh, you know, I've, I'm lucky that I guess, you know, one of my passions is business, and so my passion is, you know, partially what I do. So uh, I have interest outside of work to be reading those, and, uh, you know, that continues to give you insight. I think, you know, just looking every day at, at leaders that you deal with, both from a customer, supplier, partner side, business leaders uh, in the industry, and trying to learn not only from the good, but from, you know, I probably learn more from the bad of, you know, okay, those are characteristics that I don't want to have that, you know, that's not the way I want to treat employees. That's not how I want to work with suppliers. Those can be as valuable and important to note as, as the good things that you're learning. Oh no, definitely. <laughs> you have to take the good with the bad. And, and it was great that you mentioned that you're also learning from other vendors and maybe customers as well. Do you have a really good example of maybe one of your, customers that showed you a, a great way to lead or maybe they even told you hey listen have you looked into this way of implementing something like that did you was there those type of opportunities presented to yourself well you know i certainly you know one of our largest customers is sprint and so i think you learn a lot from them um you know one in terms of watching what they're doing so you know not only in in face-to-face -face meetings but watching how they speak to the public they're a much larger company so you it's interesting to see how their organization structured and, and how key people within their organization handle um, you know, both their interactions and their requirements from a vendor like us, as well as you know what they talk to, to the street about how their network requirements are and how they're going to address their customer needs. So you know, we follow many of the leaders within in that customer. Generally, try and watch you know what a lot of the key customers in the industry, the telecom, um, both from the vendor side and the uh, and the service provider side, what the CTOs and the CEOs, you know, are doing and try and watch a lot of their, their key speeches. And, and I think it gives not only leadership insights, but also insights into the direction of the industry. Yeah, no, that, that's really interesting. Something that just came to mind as you were talking about listening to the leaders within these wireless telco companies. Who, and you maybe you don't have to name names, but who do you see as really a vision moving forward? Is it coming from the wireless providers or is it coming from the content creators now like who's really pushing the envelope envelope for uh, for telecom well, you know, I think the the uh, it's a combination right now and I think that's a great question you know the the earnings are still coming from the service providers you know that's where the majority of the earnings in this industry are the you know the Vodafones the uh, bells the AT&T's the Verizon's um, they, they earn way more money than the, even though we consider them giants than Google's or Facebook's um, because there's so many of them and in each country they're each making billions of dollars uh, China Mobile one as well but I think they're all following and being pushed to the limit by thinking outside the box for, that's coming from the likes of Google's and Facebook's and, and Amazon's and uh, Microsoft's and, and they're all you know somewhat I would say give them more credit um, than their size. Um, so you know, 
you see some of them with a you know a stronger eye to those than than to some of their direct competitors because they are aware that those guys are pushing the limits and that they are a big influence and and maybe rethinking and looking outside the box uh, have the culture to look outside the box more than some of the operators do. Yeah, no, that's really cool. It's it's such an interesting time. I like to tell everyone I talk to with regards to telecom and the internet, and and really quickly short story. I still tell people, um, Greg, you probably remember this. Is is uh, we were designing the when we were in network planning, we were we were selling the dream of real time to the mobile, and that didn't happen until like ten fifteen years later, which is which which is still pretty amusing to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We had the fiber network there, just not the access uh, after, right? Yeah, no one, you, no one had the access or the handhelds, right? That could handle yeah. it. So that's really yeah. cool to me. Just to bring back, I mean, you mentioned that you were a lot of your key mentors was Paul, Peter Allen, and, and you read a lot. So, what are you reading right now? Is the, is there something that you're specifically reading? Oh, well, it's it's a good question. I'm always reading. You know, I've, uh, right now I probably I think I probably have three books uh, on the go, and I kind of because uh, I've got a variety of interests, it's sort of a sort of wide range of things. So I'm I'm almost always reading a running book. Right now I'm reading uh, Meb uh, for Mortals around uh, the U.S. Uh, medalist Meb Mifflowski. Um Also reading a book called uh, Mission: How the Best in Business uh, Breakthrough. It's basically about a lot of startups, uh, Facebooks, Ubers, Airbnbs, uh, how they made some of their breakthroughs. And then I'm reading a book called The Clash of Civilizations by uh, Sam Huntington. Wow, I love the spread there. Everything from running to civilization and business yeah. included. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, running, I know you and I share share that love for running. You might be more a lot more experienced. Um, I mean, you're, you are an avid runner. I, 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 I did some research. I, I checked the sports stats, and your best marathon time was 3.07, so amazing. Congratulations. But to, I, guess, I guess tell me, tell me why, why you like to run first off. Well, I probably could go on for a whole podcast just on that, Edwin. But um, there, you know, I think there's so many positive aspects to running. For me, um, you know, it, it being staying fit and healthy, um, you know, is one, one of the key things. I found running. Um, you know, I travel a lot for business, and it's and have a family. You know, very tight on time. It's something that I'm able to keep up on a regular basis, even with a tight schedule that I can. You know, show up for uh, be in Indonesia for a meeting, but still get 45 minutes in on the treadmill before I go to a meeting. So, something that can be very flexible and allow me to stay in uh, stay in shape. I think on top of that, when when I'm running, you can kind of really clear your mind of things that might be stressing you out. Get some clear thoughts about some important things to you. And then you you really refreshed afterwards. So yeah, I think it, it, as as important or more important than the the physical health for me is the the mental health that, that it provides and the, the mental clarity uh, that you that I get at least uh, from running. Um, it, and you know it's become almost a, I I call it a health, a healthy addiction. You know if I haven't run for for two three days, I'm starting to to itch and think, okay, can I somehow skip lunch today, or you know how can I get a run in t- today? I mean that's I, I like the I like the term you coined there, healthy addiction. I might I might have to borrow that from you, Greg. It's great. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> in terms of uh, your running, and mentioned earlier, I have a young daughter, nine months old, and. 
I guess for me, I signed up. I got into the Chicago Marathon this year. I, I haven't really started the mileage or anything, but I am keeping up with the running 30, 45 minutes here. H- how did you balance having two daughters, a travel life, and and try to keep, keep – I mean, obviously, you said number one at the top of the show was your family, so you're able to maintain everything. Give me some tips on, on how you do that. You certainly have to be flexible. I remember, so my first marathon was when my wife was uh, seven months pregnant. Ottawa Marathon is the hottest Ottawa Marathon there's ever uh, been. So I actually dropped out at 30 kilometers, very disappointed. Didn't plan on doing another one for another year, but because I was so disappointed by it, I said, okay, I'm going to do one in October, which is the the Toronto, I think it was the Good Life at that time, uh, marathon. And so I signed up for the Toronto Marathon uh, and ended up that our daughter was born just before that, only seven weeks uh, old when, when I ran it. So training time for me, I also, at that period, you know, I think I had got about a maximum of two runs a week in during that. So it wasn't fully trained, but I, I just had to get the monkey off my back of completing the, the marathon, which I, I did. And then from there, I've uh, you know, really continued my running. But, you know, I think it, you have to be flexible for me on Saturdays. I'll be up at 5 a.m. so that I can ensure I can still, you know, be done my run and drive my daughters to dance at, at uh, 8 a.m. Um, you know, sometimes you have in your marathon plan that, okay, I'm going to run 13K today. Things happen, you know, a meeting goes over so on. I still try and just get out there even if I can't do, I don't have a full hour. Maybe I'll get 40 minutes in just to, to make sure I can get my run in. Sometimes I might, okay, I'll do 20 minutes in the morning, 20 at night, um, you know, really wherever you can try and, and fit that in. But, uh, but I do try and manage it that I have a schedule of here's when, I, here's when I'm going to run each day, looking out, you know, right now I even know that in three weeks from now my daughters have a dance competition on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so I'm going to have to do my long run on Thursday, but I probably can only do an hour and a half instead of three hours, so I'm actually switching that my three hour I'm going to do the week before and then do my down week that week, so I kind of I look out that far for how am I going to be able to fit this in with my family commitments. Um, I think that's important. And you know, the other is to have a supportive family. You know, my daughters, they see that, okay, this is a positive lifestyle. They do a little bit of running here and there. Um, I don't try, I don't want to force it on them, but where they, you know, if they find it fun, then I support it. So we've done a couple 5K runs together and uh, and they, they can see the, the healthy lifestyle that, that, uh, that that's part of. I love that. I love that. And, and the running community is so supportive. It's just one of the best communities to be part of in terms of uh, extracurricular. It's great. I, de- sure. I definitely want to see if I could do a, a joint 5K with my daughter if the time does come. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I think you did mention that you, you must be training for the Ottawa Marathon again. Yeah, I am. It'll be my 12th, uh, 12th in a row. Um, so I'll be doing that in May. So I've run Boston once, and last year I qualified for Boston again with a, a 3.13 time. Um, 3.15 was the qualifying time, but it was oversubscribed, so the uh, the end cutoff time ended up being only 3.12, so I missed it by about a minute. So this year I'm hoping to qualify with a little bit more room, maybe four or five minutes, to make sure that I can get in for uh, for 2018. Well, awesome. Well, congrats for sort of getting in, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure you'll do great. And the Ottawa Marathon, is it's your qualifying race, right? Yeah, that's my qualifying race, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, have you ever tried to, uh, in, not enforce, but encourage being a leader within the company, maybe start a running group or anything that like that? 
Uh, you know, I've, I've thought about it before, and I've, I've run with some employees. I, I haven't started a running group because we're pretty small, um, and uh, there's a limited amount of people that do run. Um, and at the same time, I you know I, I don't want fe- people to feel uh, pressured or to run if they don't feel uh, if they don't feel like they they want to do it. So I'm more trying. If someone wants to have a discussion, I fully promote it. Say, let's go out for a run if you'd like, um, but don't want any pressure on anyone to get outside their, you know, outside their comfort zone if they don't want to do that. It could, it could be an idea. If anyone wants to meet with you, you should take them on a run and meet meet yeah, during absolutely. the run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'd yeah. be the super the super leadership move. Um, our sales VP and myself, our sales VP, he's still, he's no longer with Dragon, but he's uh, 75 and he's just around, I think, his 35th New York Marathon. So whenever we'd meet in the city, we would always have our discussions running together. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's yeah. so inspirational having someone like that within uh, who you work closely with. Yeah, exactly. I got I got a good, I, I found, I found looking into your, uh, I guess your public internet history there greg that your first <laughs> your first job was uh was a cashier at mcdonald's and i wondered where you dug that up <laughs> I, I i can't tell my secrets <laughs> but i guess being a leadership podcast I, i'd love to get your thoughts of you know a working for an international organization like that and and what you learn from it is there's there's some stuff that you you still carry from from that experience yeah, I think actually you'd be surprised of how much and how influential, you know, even though it wasn't full-time and was only two, you know, two and a half or three years there, it did make a huge impact on my thoughts today. Um, it's one of those things where being early in your life, you can always look back on sort of as a, a fundamental element, sort of a, you know, a base uh, sort of concrete element. And so you, at McDonald's, there's a fantastic focus on customer focus and the customer being right, and you know that's something I believe strongly in. And so, when when working, you know, you constantly can kind of go back to those principles that you know learned it very early on. That okay, is this is what we're doing here right for the customer? Is is you know is this going to help the customer or not? And so I think you know that's a, something that was ingrained into me from there. That's very important. You know, I think the other at McDonald's, there is a big focus on it's hard work only. You can't hide behind anything there. You know, either you're uh, helping get customers through, or you're making burgers, or you're not. There's nothing to hide behind. And so I think the the work ethic of, and the people that succeed and do well at McDonald's uh, are they're putting in effort and they're working hard. And so you know that's. There is no substitute for hard work, and I think that uh, you know was also uh, built into me from those early experiences. Oh, that's amazing, and and I think I learned something when, from what you were saying there, and because everything is out in the open, it's almost everything's transparent to the customers as well. There's really no way if you're not working hard. And correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure the customers could see that. Yeah, the customers know, and and the management knows. You know, you probably yourself have been at a fast food restaurant, and you say, "What's this guy doing?" You you can tell, and the management sees that. There's not much hiding there, and uh, yeah, I think uh, that that's a great environment to start to learn. And that if you're if you're going to work hard and you want to see results, you know, you got to put the effort in. That's cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was going to get that one out, but uh, since I I known you a while, I figured I'll just shoot it out there. <laughs> At the beginning, I mentioned that you have a number of published articles. You speak at a lot of specific industry uh, events. How, how has these activities helped you grow, I mean, in terms of a leader? And I know you're 
knowing that you're under marketing and product management, but I guess as well as as personal growth. Yes, you know, I think they're they're tremendous value on on many fronts. I think you know, going out and speaking at an industry event uh, allows you to network often with the the other speakers, which will also often be industry leaders. Sometimes your competitors, uh, sometimes potential partners, and and uh, often customers or even uh, investors. Um, so you can get a good view of the industry by by speaking. Uh, I think it you know also helps provide uh, direction for the industry. Um, and if you know if you see new things um, that you can go and help get get direction to the industry. You know, I think to be a successful business and have a successful value proposition, you sometimes will have to think of things differently. You'll have to do things differently, and that may mean that you have to sell that to the industry of why you're doing things differently and why that's still valuable to them. You know, maybe you're not just the lowest cost on paper you, you do something else you have other features that have value to them that takes a while especially on a global industry for a small company like Dragonwave where you can't be in touch with every customer all the time uh, when you go to an industry event you can start to get that topic out there and discussed more openly um, without necessarily going out and, and uh, touching every single person um, yeah I think also um, as you speak at those events, it can help uh, build some some uh, leadership and authority for yourself as you start to uh, to talk to more and more customers. Um, that you will you can gain some stature in the industry, and if you speak well at those and are, are respected, you know you'll earn respect uh, and sometimes access to the right people uh, in your customers or partners as you're as you're trying to develop uh, new industry relationships. No, that's great. I mean, it's definitely important, and I see the value, I mean, personally as well, in public speaking and getting out there and networking, so that's that's awesome. I I, I perused some of the articles that you, you wrote as well in some of the publications. I mean, with all that writing, I, has, has there any aspirations of becoming a writer for yourself? Yeah, who knows? You know, you never know what uh, what will happen. It's certainly not on my uh, near-term list, um, but, you know, may, you know, I think there's a still a lot of great technology and things that I want to do in the, in the industry um, uh, before then but at, at some point uh, in the future sit back and, and look um, you know I may uh, there are now different topics you know both the industry uh, travel etc running that uh, that are interesting to me that maybe you know, if I could bring a different perspective may at some point be uh, be interesting uh, to, to write about well I'd love to read your book on running definitely <laughs> Um, I guess before I, I, I close off, I, I always I like to ask a fun question. If I were to ask your team, what's the best leadership quality you possess? What would they say? It, you know, I think you know, what what I've heard in the past is uh, ability for me to understand a situation quickly, but not micromanage. So I think you know the, the top is having trust in in employees and being uh, you know I think it's important. You know, I believe it's important to be flexible to employees. That uh, the best management style is a flexible management style, and so, you know, being able to give an employee that needs lots of room, lots of room, being able to give, uh, you know, and that's very self-sufficient, give them ability to go do that stuff and, and just check in as needed. Uh, and then for someone else that's still learning and gaining confidence, being there more regularly and spending more time. Uh, working together to, to understand the challenges and the best uh, approach at something. Um, so, you know, I really think that a, a flexible but trusting management style uh, is, is one of the you know, most successful because I think 
no matter what you do, if you don't have a motivated employee, you won't be getting 100% out of them. No, definitely, I agree. What final thoughts, observations, or actionable recommendations that you can share today for any of the future technology leaders who, who are looking to grow their career? Yeah, yeah I think you know, my final thoughts are that uh, it's important to try and do what you, you love, be passionate about what you're doing, try, and hopefully that can be something that you're strong at as well. You know, I think you know, the, the right combination is finding something you like and something that you're good at uh, together. Um, and uh, if you do that, then then you'll find uh, success. I think uh, no matter what, though, the, you know, as I said, there's no substitute for for hard work. Um, but uh, you're not going to be able. It'll be almost impossible for you to put hard work in if you don't like uh, what you're doing. Awesome. Thank you for that. Thanks for sharing, Greg. So to close, why don't you uh, tell us where we could find more information about yourself, your company, and maybe perhaps uh, the races that you'll be running after uh, Chicago and maybe Boston, I guess. Sure, yeah. So uh, at uh, Greg underscore Friesen is my uh, my Twitter handle. You can find uh, Dragon Wave uh, on uh, Facebook uh, as well. Uh, and the, we're Dragon Wave Inc. on Facebook. And all our latest uh, things we're doing, places I'm speaking, conferences we're attending uh, are uh, all on there as well. Awesome, Greg. Hope to see you soon, and thank you for joining the show. No problem. Thanks a lot, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Greg. He's such a great business leader within the telecom space, and which is a space that I hold dearly. I really loved how he had to reevaluate his priorities as Dragon Wave grew, when he had to learn how to trust, learn how to delegate to enable his team, and just really listening the way they grew as a company by building up processes and by realizing that you may not know every deal that comes into the pipe. I really had so much fun hearing about our shared interests, our healthy addictions as he coined for running. I do know what he means by missing out on a run and and feeling like you need to go out whether it's not your full run or not. It's really hitting home because I'm currently training for a marathon as well, the Chicago Marathon that's happening later this year. Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode with Greg, please subscribe to the show. Leave me a comment. I do love hearing from you. I'll be checking and I'll definitely reply back. But until next time, Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.